and welcome to the sixth episode of Made Possible. My name is Carly Cunningham, and I am thrilled to be the host of this podcast collaboration between Small Business BC and my very own small business, Big Bold Brand. If you're new to this podcast, the purpose of Made Possible is to share revealing, inspiring, and sometimes wince-worthy stories about starting and growing a small business. My goal as your host is to expose you to the insightful wisdom and savvy advice about what makes building a small business possible. On today's episode, we're going solo. I'm speaking with the winner of Small Business BC's 2021 Best Solopreneur Award, Jamie Davis, an Indigenous artist and the founder of Jada Creations. This single mom, multi-award winning artist, and solopreneur grew up on a small reserve on the north coast of British Columbia. She's driven to share her culture, language, and the stories of her ancestors with the world through her wearable art. Jamie uses her company as a platform to talk about racism and actively work to deconstruct colonization and promote truth and reconciliation for Indigenous peoples. What I so appreciated in talking with Jamie was her willingness to be honest, vulnerable, and dig into these topics in this interview. Now, I feel the need to be forthright for this episode and offer a trigger warning. As Jamie and I discuss the difficult reality that Indigenous peoples and mothers across Canada have and are experiencing with regards to the ongoing discoveries of the unmarked graves of Indigenous children on residential school properties. With respect to business, we're going to talk about starting and growing a business in a small town, living your truth through your business, and how to be a successful artist and maker, and why even small town businesses should, should apply for and participate in awards competitions. Are you ready to dig in? Let's go. This first season of the Made Possible podcast is brought to you thanks to our sponsors, WorkSafe BC. In addition to their important role in workplace health and safety, WorkSafe BC has worked alongside our provincial health officials to support workers and employers across the province during the pandemic. To find out more, or to view WorkSafe BC's comprehensive list of COVID-19 resources, visit WorkSafeBC.com. Hello, and welcome back to Made Possible. Today's guest is an Indigenous entrepreneur, artist, and jewelry designer from the Northwest Coast of BC. Jamie Davis is the powerful source behind Jada Creations and this year's Best Solo Entrepreneur Award, or Solopreneur Award, sponsored by Small Business BC. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so, so excited and so honored to be here, and just thank you for allowing me to share my story. We are so excited for you to share that story. <laughs> Can you tell us where you're from and where your business is located? Yes, I come from the Gixan and Niskat Nations, which is in northwest coast BC. I grew up in the small community of Gitlachtamics, which is formerly known as New Ianch. And I am very fortunate to be living on the beautiful Lahubum Zimshan, which is traditional Zimshan territory, or the settler name of Terrace, BC. 
Excellent. Let's start with the story of your journey to becoming an artist. I know that you're a cedar weaver, a wood sculptor, engraver, and a designer, and that you've had some incredibly unique learning opportunities. In my research for this podcast, for this episode, as an artist, I was specifically drawn into your words from an interview where you said, I picked up that pencil and I started rewriting my own story as I reclaimed my identity as an Indigenous woman. I'd love to start there and your story of how you became an artist and business owner. Yes, absolutely. Well, throughout my life, I have worked multiple jobs just bouncing around from industry to industry, such as the mining industry to the banking industry. And I was just trying to find my niche, but, you know, never really feeling fulfilled in anything that I did. And prior to becoming an artist, I was a cedar weaver and I had no knowledge of the art form. And I was content in doing what I was doing with the cedar weaving and started making the cedar woven jewelry designs. But when it came down to as I had a summer contract at the visitor info center in the Nass Valley and I was the artist in residence there. And it was then where I started to feel that gravitational pull pulling me back in towards my culture because I was learning more about my culture as I talked to the tourists worldwide about my culture. And so the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn. And then weaving, sorry, weaving sounds like an incredible metaphor just in your, in that story is you were weaving yourself into your own history through learning about it and sharing it with the world, which is, Mm -hmm. am I, am I on point with that? Absolutely. Exactly. hundred (laughs) percent. For our audience who don't know what cedar weaving is, can you tell us a little bit about it, what it looks like? Because we're in audio and we'll link to some things that share mm-hmm. with our um, listeners what it what it looks like. And I've seen it, it's very, very beautiful. But tell us about where you learned, why cedar weaving, what it involves. Is it easy? Is it hard? Cedar weaving, it's it's a traditional knowledge that places us here on these territories and it's a knowledge that survived despite colonization and i think that's just such a beautiful thing it's a powerful thing and a sacred thing it's a sacred art form that my people did and we use the cedar tree the bark from the cedar tree and the cedar is called the tree of life and we view, we use everything from the cedar and everything that we use from our longhouses, our canoes, Benwood boxes, and then the wood sculpture, our masks and spoons, bowls, anything. And then the bark was used for all of our practical reasons. We wove our clothing, robes, blankets, um, mats, our classic cedar hats. And then even the boughs were used in ceremony, the cedar boughs. And it's cedar is one of the four sacred medicines. And what strikes me there is how important the honoring of that in our amazing land that we share of stopping deforestation and replanting and getting back to a life that honors the earth. Is that a lesson that your elders teach? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we are all about sustainability. Um, it's one of the main things that we are taught. We only take what we need for each season. And the way we harvest the cedar bark is is in the absolute most sustainable way. The tree is still living and it continues to live after we've taken a strip off of the tree. So that in itself, like you're able to see CMTs or culturally modified trees out there from hundreds of years ago. And sadly with the logging, they're cutting down all of the old growth forests. So it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. We may not, be able to see those anymore and they're never going to come back we as colonizers have so much to learn and i know we're going to dig into that later in the podcast what i want to go to in your journey of a cedar artist and then i know you went back to school Mm -hmm. um learned cedar carving um i i really encourage our listeners to go and check out the beauty of what you've created i've seen your works they are phenomenal thank you and the question that comes with that is what is becoming an artist enabled you to do? Well, after the cedar weaving, um, I was actually working in a bank, but going back to the last question of not feeling fulfilled in that, I think I was actually at work one day and on a whim, I decided to apply for the Frida Deasing School of Northwest Coast Art. And I got accepted a couple of weeks later, quit my job and then enjoyed the summer. And I went back to school in 2016 for the three-year program. And it, it's been the most incredible journey. It's been so healing mentally, spiritually, and becoming an artist since stepping on this path as an artist. It's just done so much for me. Not only has it reconnected me to my culture but it has enabled me to find and use my voice it has allowed me to find my truth and live my truth not only as a person but as an indigenous woman and one of the things that i'm noticing timeline wise is 2016 wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. you spent three years in school and Six in in the course of the six years, your trajectory and the takeoff of your business has been exponentially accelerated. And my question, my suspicion is that that is because you have connected to your passion, to your truth, to the path that you were meant to walk. Yes. Am I on point? Oh yeah, again, hundred percent. And and I'm so glad you said that because I did want to talk about that too stepping on this path, finding my truth. There's that peace that comes with it. And I mentioned it's done so much for me mentally. And I know a lot of our people and a lot of people suffer from mental health, mental illnesses, anxiety and depression. And I was one of those people too. And I still have my battles, but since stepping on this path, it's been so healing. And because I'm living my truth, It just gives me confidence in who I am and able to just break, break through all of that. And part of it is also reconnecting with my culture. And I think with anxiety, that was like, that was all taken from us due to colonization. And a lot of us, we have gifts. A lot of us have different gifts. For me, it's art and 
that was taken from us. And so we have anxiety because we're not able to practice that gift and share that gift with the world. And so we're trying to live in two worlds. We're trying to live in the Western world and our world. And that there's a lot of pressure with that. And with that comes the mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It resonates so deeply with me and my own story of being misaligned to who I was um, and, and refinding that path. It resonates from the work that I do with entrepreneurs. And a lot of that work <clears throat> is helping them, I don't want to say find, I want to say remember their fundamental beliefs and truths mm-hmm. and reconnect to the passion, reconnect to so many people go on this, I, I need to find my passion. I need, and they go on that search and the more work that I do both for myself and for, and with my clients is remembering and mm-hmm. What I find happens with, especially with small business owners is when they get drawn into the truths of others. And what I call it is, is stepping away or pulling away from their roots, those fundamental beliefs and truths, their fundamental values, what it is they feel they were meant to do here on this earth. Anxiety happens, tension happens, Mm -hmm. disengagement happens. So it can be depression, it can be anxiety. And I question if, and I don't have the knowledge around, but it, I question if it's simply because we need to return to self. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that, that I every time we have a, a workshop or we host a culture camp on our traditional territories and I'm introducing myself, I actually speak on that all of the time and how finding my truth um, has allowed me to find the peace within and and it's reclaiming your identity. It's just reclaiming everything that was taken from us. And and for me, that is being an artist. I'm an artist and, and I create art to help share my story and keep our story alive. I love that. Keep our story alive. Something piqued my interest. Culture camps. Tell us about culture camps. I know I'm going off script, but you you got my attention. (laughs) Yeah. Well, over the past six years or so, we have, my mother has been facilitating a language and culture camp on our traditional fishing grounds where we, we host a two week camp every year and we camp out there and we learn everything about our Gixan culture. We show them how to fish, how to clean the fish, process the fish, hang it in the smokehouse. We have someone who is a fluent speaker teaching us the language. I do cedar weaving with them and we learn about the plants in the area, the traditional medicines. It's just an amazing time and we've been doing that for I think six years now. Yeah. It sounds it, like a phenomenal experience. Who's who can attend that camp? It's open. It's open. Um, I think we're still like in the process of making it like for like a formal like a business sort of thing. Because right now it's just by word of mouth and families of the area they hear about it and they want to attend and they just they sign up and we invite them onto our territory. And That's most exciting. recently we've had organizations reach out to us and wanting to book with us as well. So 
if that has piqued anybody's interest, who's the best person to reach out to? And we can put that in the show notes as well. Would It would probably be me. Um, I, I work alongside my mother and she's, she's passed on a lot of the knowledge to me, which is actually part of our culture. We, in our culture and in Gixen, we call that which is the responsibility of passing down the knowledge so that it lives on. And that's how we've able, been able to stay and live in these areas since, since the beginning of time. It's, it's an oral, it's an oral history that's just been passed on and on. Are oral histories harder to pass on? Are they more at risk? You would think they would be because nothing is written in stone, but, but our culture has survived that way. It's survived everything. It's survived colonization. It's, it's just so strong that it continues on. But at the same time, there's that huge weight and responsibility to pass that on because it's only and not I'm not going to say only it is an oral history. But that's our duty as Gixan people is to pass that down. And what can we as colonizers do to be better allies to make sure it gets passed on to make sure that it it grows because it benefits all of us? What can mm-hmm. we do? Well. Uh, to become a better, to become a an ally or a better ally, I think first thing would be is to acknowledge the truth and what's going on in this country. Because I've actually seen a lot of denial, especially when it came to Canada Day. There was a lot of denial saying that we're still celebrating because this country is so great. And they're just like turning a blind eye to actually what's happening. But uh, acknowledging the truth is, I think, the main thing that we can do to become better allies and then amplify our voices, amplify Indigenous voices, listen to us, don't police us on our feelings, on how everything is making us feel, because it like we are grieving right now in this country and to have someone police us on this, that's just, just don't do that. (laughs) Thank you for that. I know it's tough to talk about right now and I appreciate all that you shared. And I really do hope that people are listening and that we can do better because doing better for you creates such a phenomenal energy that changes us all. I'm going to shift over to the origin story of your business. Why did you choose to start a business and what are the inspirations behind your business? So I was a cedar weaver and I had a baby. His name is Felix. And I was, I was actually in debt and living off of the small child tax that I received monthly and trying to provide for my little family. And one day, like I had started making the cedar woven jewelry at this point. And one day he needed a new jacket. And, and I saw this jacket that I absolutely loved and wanted to buy it for him, but it was $40. And that was a lot of money for me back then. And that's still a lot of money. But I 
thought to myself, I could sell one pair of earrings and I can go buy that jacket for him. And that's exactly what I did. And that was enough fuel to fire me up and head me on, head me down this path of entrepreneurship. So it seems like your involvement and your nomination and going through the process in this year's awards have completely opened up a new world of resources to you. Yes, it absolutely has. Um, Networking. Networking is incredible. And I've always been told that your network equals your net worth. And I'm just so, so grateful to be part of this small business community. I've made friends that I haven't met in person, but just all these small business owners. And it's just been amazing. I want to take a moment to celebrate you. Look how far you've come and what you've built on your own resilience, on your own desire and passion to provide for yourself and your son and to live the truths of your community. It's phenomenal what you've done. Congratulations. Happy, yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. It does because of the light you shine. And it does because of the difference you're making. Talk to me about the difference that you're making in your community. What have you noticed since starting your business? What has changed for you? First of all, I've received amazing support from my community. It was one of my childhood friends who actually nominated me for the award. And then it was my community who voted me in. I'm curious as to what learnings and business building wisdoms you can share with us specifically about being an artist and a maker for the makers and artists listening in about how to start and or grow a business. Do you have some, you're like, do this, don't do this. Here's my, you know, top tips. I want to say be your authentic self and believe in yourself and your product or service so much that others start to believe in you too. It appears from your website, and I'm staying on the topic of makers and artists because you're the first that we've talked to in in this series, and it's a really unique niche. Um, I have known many artists who never saw themselves as business owners or never thought about monetizing their work because they are simply living their authentic mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a different form of doing business. It's a different form and way of living. Mm-hmm. And I see on your website that you have multiple ways that you generate revenue. And I assume that having multiple revenue streams is important for an artist or a maker. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Everything changes with the seasons and you have to know when to pivot. What works one day, it might not work the next day. So having the multiple revenue streams is, is crucial in being an artist or maker. And what are those revenue streams for your business? It's easy for me to talk about them because I've researched them, um, but they're, I think they're really fascinating and interesting because they're quite diverse. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, with my website, shopjada.com, it's primarily in jewelry sales, but also I, I am an artist, and so I take on commissions for paintings or... Most recently, I've actually worked with one of my mentors, Ken McNeil, and I was carving a large panel with him. So I was doing wood sculpture, and I also branched out into public art and painting murals. 
And uh, prior to COVID, I have done a lot of workshops with the youth, especially, and also the craft fairs. I love the craft fairs, but it's been it's been a while since I've been able to do that. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll pick up Cra- soon. <laughs> craft fairs are so phenomenal to connect to the artist and have discussions and gain a deeper understanding for sure. I miss them as well. Yeah. One thing that struck me very deeply is your wisdom, deep respect and understanding of your culture. And from what I understand, you spend a ton of time with your elders. Tell us about this, this practice. It seems like a practice to me and tell us about how this influences your art and your business. Yes, our elders, they're the most precious gifts on this planet, I think. Um, Elders are the knowledge keepers. If we listen, we can learn a lot from them. And we, we hold them in such high regards. And we are taught at a very young age to always respect our elders. And it's something as little as if you see one coming, you get up and you offer them your seat, no questions asked, it's automatic. We have protocols to follow in almost everything we do. And in the business world, in my business, I, since I am occupying on the unceded Simshan territory with my brand and my packaging, I offer a small piece of cedar bow in with my jewelry. And with that, there's a note included saying that it was harvested on Lahubum Zimshan, which is the traditional territory of the Zimshan people, more specifically the Wolf Clan. But in order for me to do that, I had to ask permission from one of the matriarchs of the territory, which she graciously said yes. And so if I were to offer any kind of advice on that, it would be... Learn whose territory you are on, first and foremost. Learn what they call themselves and learn who the chiefs and matriarchs are. And then you are able to proceed and have regular and meaningful conversations with the elders of the territory. Another thing that comes to mind is when I was going to the college, Coast Mountain College in Terrace, anytime they had an event, they invited the the elders to the event and they were gifted an honorarium for for their presence and for their knowledge. Like it's a really important thing just to always have our elders around and they have, they are the knowledge keepers. I want to talk about appropriation. For me, there's this nuance. You're this amazing artist who is making jewelry based on indigenous culture and indigenous story and indigenous symbol. Is it appropriate for us, the colonizers, the settlers, to wear Indigenous jewelry, to hang Indigenous art? I get asked this question a lot, actually, and I'm always so happy to answer because that already, just asking that question alone shows that they are respecting our culture and they don't want to cross any lines or boundaries. And so... To anyone who's listening, I applaud you for asking that question and don't be afraid to ask that question because we are always so happy to answer and help out. So in terms of the actual question, (laughs) yeah, um, absolutely okay for anyone to wear 
art or wearable art that is made by an Indigenous person, as long as it's made by an Indigenous maker. And one thing you should always be cautious of, if it says Native inspired, then that's straight up appropriation. And don't do that. Stay away from anything Native inspired. Because... As a people, our culture, we weren't allowed to practice our culture. It was made legal, illegal for us to do so. And then to have someone who's not of our culture profiting off of it, that's it's heart-wrenching. And, <laughs> and thank you for specifying that. It really helps us, again, find ways we can be better allies. And like anything else, do your research, understand mm-hmm. the source, and choose to support the authentic source. Right. Yeah. It's just becoming aware of where your products are coming from. And just a little tip is always check the about section on, on a website. We will always state proudly who we are if we are Indigenous people. We'll always state that. And yeah. Yeah. It's like we love the support. Actually, I think it's imperative that we receive support from non-Indigenous people because it helps combat the fight against cultural appropriation. With that, though, comes a responsibility of keeping that conversation going of where your jewelry or art came from, which in turn can help others become aware of where they buy their products from. At least that's Mm -hmm. always the message that I try to convey. I agree with you. Word of mouth is important to any business, and what I'm hearing is, is word of mouth is critical to supporting the success mm-hmm. of Indigenous peoples as well as artists and, artists and makers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, word of mouth is, is a powerful tool that we need to utilize more. Like this question, I get asked, asked it a lot, even though on my website, I, I state it all over, all over the place. And so... Like it's there right in front of you, but we don't we don't read all the time. <laughs> and it's true. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's word of mouth. It's people you know that you you listen to, and you know that just helps the domino effect. Okay, folks. So before you hit the buy button, before before that index finger hits click, pause, and quickly scan for truth on the about us page. And make sure that you are buying authentic mm-hmm. product. Yes. Yeah. Being a solopreneur, a single mom is challenging enough. And then COVID hit this year. How have you managed to do all that you do as a business owner, artist, creator, taking care of Felix, your junior business partner? <laughs> we all struggle with all the things that we have to do. But what are some of the things that work for you to live life authentically live life to the fullest and run a successful business? Mm -hmm. Well, being a solopreneur, meaning I handle all of the behind the scenes, wearing all, all of the hats. So yeah, that is a challenge in itself, but you, with that, you learn effective time management and it's really all about trial and error. You find out what works for you and what doesn't, and you learn from it and you just continue to grow. And what, a quote that always sticks with me it, what, from one of my mentors, Dempsey Bob. He always said to us, 
once you stop learning, you stop being an artist. And it's absolutely true because we're always learning. Like I learn from my son all the time. He's been my best teacher. So I'm always learning with my business. I've never run a business before. It's all trial and error. Everything is brand new to me and I'm learning as I go. And as I grow, I find out, well, I could, you know, I learn just more effective ways of doing things. And I'm always, I'm always thinking about that. Always, always thinking about what's next and what I can improve on. And I never strive for perfection. I'm always striving for improvement. And I think that's, that's a key thing too. It's a really valuable lesson. Um, one of one of my biggest lessons has been um, perfection is the enemy of good. And really, perfectionism can get in the way so often. Yeah, and it's debilitating. Yes, it, it'll hold a, you back. Most definitely, a mm-hmm. perfect word for it. Tell us about the culture of giving back in your community and how you specifically give back to your community? Well, being a Gixen woman, I, I like to give back in a way of knowledge as well. Like that's part of our responsibility. And so I have volunteered a lot of my time doing the workshops, running the culture camps as well with my mom. But also my community it's just been so so incredibly supporting of me and my business and I I like to give back in ways of doing well one little one is doing giveaways on my social media pages after every release every new collection release I do giveaway and I give away like three three prizes on Instagram three on Facebook or whatever it may be but also, I always donate to a lot of fundraisers that are happening, with, especially with all of the important issues, you know, raising awareness on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and Two-Spirit, the residential schools, even the, the fires that we had in Lytton. And um, <laughs> my son's school... My son's school is amazing. The principal is amazing. The staff and faculty are absolutely amazing and everything that they do for our children, and especially during the year of COVID. And one weekend, their freezer went and they run this this free breakfast program and lunch and after school. And it's run entirely on volunteer work and donations. And when their freezer broke down, they lost all of their food over the weekend and I saw a post by the principal and I had actually just won the the solopreneur award and with that came a monetary prize and and I knew I just had to donate that entire cash winnings to to his school so that they can replace all of their food wow you just opened the floodgates for me (laughs) thank you Um, One thing that I have observed in having the honor and the privilege to interview several Indigenous entrepreneurs already and um, having others in some of the communities that I'm in is the act of giving back is so innate. It is so understood 
for the indigenous peoples. And it's that, it's that process of what you give comes mm-hmm. back to you. It's that circle of nature, that mm-hmm. circle of life and working within an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, is, it is a phenomenal and powerful source of business growth. And I've seen it time and time again. I see it with my clients who do give back um, and the way it accelerates their business. And it's not just about the monetary acceleration. It's about the community acceleration, the connection Mm -hmm. acceleration, the simple joy and pleasure of energy. And I was reading most recently um, about the cycle of feeling stuck in your business or going through a, a period of depression or things just don't feel like they're moving. And there was a scientific study that said simply the act of giving back can turn that around. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful lesson for everyone that's listening. One thread that I want to pull on and we've touched on it, but I really want to dive into this one specific question is giving the goings on in Canada right now with regards to revealing indigenous truths in this country's history. What does it mean to be an indigenous woman in business right now? With all of the recent recoveries, and for those who might not know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the children who didn't make it home from residential schools. And I say recover because they are being recovered. They're not being discovered. They're being recovered. And Their families were never told what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Like, I can't. I'm saying, can you imagine to those listening, can you imagine what it was like to have your child taken from you, taken to a school with some promise of something better for them and then never having them return with no explanation? Like that's unheard of in settler culture. It wouldn't happen. The country would be in an uproar. And yet this was okay knowing that. And so now you've stepped into this power and you have this influence as an indigenous woman. How is that showing up in your business right now? It's been such a grueling time, especially being an indigenous woman in business, because I do have this small platform. And with that comes the responsibility to use your voice and amplify other voices. And, but sometimes it's, Sometimes it's too much. It's too much because we are grieving right now and thinking about all of the atrocities done to my people throughout Canada and colonization. And I have a son. And just thinking that my son could have been off in a residential school. He's only nine years old and... (laughs) You know, it's just been me and him for so long, and he—I'm his lifeline, and he's mine. And just to, just to think that he could be ripped out of your arms and taken away—how scared he would be! How traumatizing that would be for him and for me. And it's just a vicious cycle that they started. And so coming back to being an indigenous woman in business, 
you know, we have that responsibility to, I don't want to say educate the world because that is up to you to educate yourself. Yes. And it's all right at your fingertips. You just got to do a little bit of research and you'll see everything right there. But and that those are the truths that mm-hmm. everyone is speaking of. It is not it's not a complicated exercise. It is seeking out the truths for yourself to understand. Mm-hmm. And when I, I'm speaking on behalf of myself as a white person, as someone with who lives in a in a legacy of colonization, it is our responsibility. And as business owners, we have a lot going on. But we also have space and we we have space to make this country better. Mm-hmm. So the work is on us. And I also say that as a member of the LGBTQTI community. And I get asked, well, how do you feel about this as a as a gay person, as a queer, as a and and it's always hard because the work is being put back us on us as marginalized peoples. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people to have that moment of pause before asking questions and, mm-hmm. and, and asking yourselves, can we, can I do this research? Can I inform myself? Mm-hmm. And it seems like such a simple act, but I have friends doing the work like yourselves, indigenous peoples, black peoples, and if folks could just do a little bit of the work themselves, I don't think they realize how much pressure and how much work that takes off of the shoulders mm-hmm. of the marginalized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many amazing accounts that you can follow that actively share the information. Like it's right there and just being asked like if people are going up in the DMs and asking where they can find this, where they can find that, it's it really is exhausting and it weighs very heavily on us. And mm-hmm. you know, we're still trying to process it ourselves too. We're we're healing. We're we're trying to heal from this. And that healing is not gonna. It's not gonna happen in two weeks. It's not gonna no. happen in a year. And we need to reckon. We need to recognize that to hold that space for those who need to heal. There are so many in this world that need to heal right now. And if you have the privilege to hold the space, it's such a simple act to just, like you said earlier, honor feelings, honor truths, make better decisions. I want to go to a quote that I found from another one that I found from you. Um, you have so many fantastic um, words and quotes. Happy Art is a sacred healing medicine and is the language of our ancestors. I am inspired by the stories they tell and the more I create, the more I can hear them speak and the more I am finding my own voice as an indigenous woman. I take pride in my connection to histories tied to these lands and in creating wearable art that share those stories with you. Tell us how you use story in your business, how you use it as inspiration and how it shows up in your art and your jewelry. Yeah, well, because we have that history and the connection to the lands and the relationship that we have to the animals, 
And we hold all of those in the highest respect. And with that, it there's stories behind everything. And our art, our art form is the language of our ancestors. And, it, you know, there's a story behind all of that. And uh, when I say what I mean when I say the more I create, the more I can hear them speak is the more I learn, the more I can hear, the more I can see. And, and I create and that keeps that story going as well as rewriting my own story and just creating my own story, my own history or her story. I always like to say it's her story because it's her story, not his. <laughs> I use like I'm always inspired by my culture, especially with my jewelry collections coming out with a new line. It's a new season coming. We've got, you know, I follow the harvesting calendar and yeah, that's the story behind that. It's just sharing that piece of my culture with the world through wearable art and in and my art form as well. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to if you have a favorite story, maybe one that was told to you in childhood. I know um, I have one that comes from from my culture. Uh, my grandparents were Ukrainian. Um, and it's a story about a mitten and essentially how all the forest animals crawled into the mitten over the course of the winter and they all survived together as this own little, this little community. Um, is there one that stands out in your mind as I say that, that you can share with us that lights up your heart and makes you smile or one that you share with Felix? The only thing that can come to mind right now is because it's still relatively fresh is a story that I was given permission to recreate. And it was a mural done on the visitor info center in the Nass Valley. One that I had worked on in 2000 or worked in, in 2014 as artist in residence as a Cedar Weaver. And so. Wow. Full circle. That's full circle. really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I remember, like, I just want to share this story. Um, I remember standing outside of the building and it was so weathered and it had turned black. You could barely see the design on it. And I knew nothing of the art back then, but I said to myself, I can repaint this. And I planted that seed. I manifested that. And six years later, I was awarded the contract to redesign and paint that mural they well they had to replace it because of um safety issues but but yeah the story behind that is of the lava eruption the eruption in the Nass Valley and where the building resides is on a certain territory and so I follow the proper protocols of our people and I seek the proper permission from the elders the chief of the territory, Bakhkep, and we get them skak, are the chiefs. And first I had to get permission to actually retell that story because it's not my story to tell. And so I can't just, just go and create this art piece that tells that story. And even though I created this art piece, I'm not able to use that story or that art piece in any of my other works because it's not mine to tell. 
So I got that permission to recreate it through design and also to work on the territory. So yeah, that's that's the one story that is still fresh in my mind because that was such an amazing pro- project and one of the highlights in my career so far. Is that the project that is photo illustrated on your website? It is. Yes, it's got a whole page dedicated to it. I asked because I've seen it and it's <laughs> it's just it's so beautiful and I hope Thank that you. our listeners do go and check it out. We'll again in the show notes plug to that there. And I'm going to change gears because we have a surprise for you today. Oh, just give me a sec while I find it. (laughs) Okay. I love surprises. (laughs) All right. Hey, Jamie, this is Bobby. I'm really excited to be um, the person that got to nominate you. And I just wanted to let you know why I did and what I think you do for our community. So I nominated you because you are an amazing person and you deserve it. From the very beginning, when I saw the nomination opportunity, I knew it was going to be you. Um, I knew you would win. That was never, just never a question. Um, The reason I nominated you is because you have this constant pursuit to raise your son in this amazing environment where your culture is celebrated and you uplift women and your traditional, just the traditions in the community. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. That... So you might be hearing a long pause. <laughs> you might be hearing a long pause, and that is the pause of Jamie reacting to Bobby's words and wow. smiles and tears. <laughs> I, I don't think I've cried more on any of the interviews that I've done. Um, <laughs> tell us why the tears. Oh, um, I didn't, at first, I didn't know who nominated me. But she messaged me after I had won and she's like, I knew you would get it from the moment I nominated you. And, and why the tears? Because she was my very first friend when I moved to Terrace. We lived close to each other. We walked to and from school every day. And yeah, I think I mentioned earlier in the interview that I was nominated by a childhood friend of my community and that was her. (laughs) There's this beautiful thread that's coming through in this interview and you had alluded it to it in the, in the previous question and the previous answer, which was planting seeds and nurturing. And I think it's a very understated part of doing business. And in today's world, you know, where we can go on your website and go, I love those earrings, click, and they'll be here in less than a week. There's so much instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And what I often see is those business owners that are, are planting seeds, whether it be making new connections or reaching out and figuring out what is it that I need for the next part of my business or like yourself setting the intention for being given the gifts and the permissions to recreate that mural. I think it is something that we don't call enough attention to and look at this relationship with Bobby, your childhood friends, you went to school together. I'm guessing she supported you through her business, through your business and that, that mutual sense of nurturing um, has just brought all of this fantasticness of the awards to you mm-hmm. and opened up a whole community. How else has winning the awards affected you and your business? Well, it's 
it's been a major confidence booster, that's for sure. Prior to winning this award, I felt imposter syndrome. And I had actually just learned about that recently and realized that's what I've been feeling pretty much this entire time. It's like, what am I doing here? Why why am I doing this? Like, should I even be here? Like, like what's going on? <laughs> but and also with that in being an artist, there has always been the stigma around that and that it's not a feasible career choice you know the term starving artist was always there but I don't I don't think there's so much of that now but that was always there and actually I still do get people looking at me with a little bit of pity in their eyes and like like oh oh are you doing well and you know like it it doesn't bother me though because I know what I know and <laughs> I let them think what they want to think because it's none of my business what what they think of me and so and they're all, you're you're doing an amazing job of rewriting that story yeah thank you thank you I'm, yeah. I've been working hard <laughs> working hard every single day mm-hmm. but yeah I mean just because you connect to your passion doesn't mean it doesn't require work yes yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to share with you: you're not the only one who suffers from imposter syndrome. I mm-hmm. it, my walks beside me every day, and it walks beside so many of the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that I speak with. Um, I was reading Seth Godin's book, The Practice, the other day, and I mean, I love Seth, and he just takes things and takes complicated concepts and things that have been studied, and he, he breaks them down in like three lines to a paragraph, and it's like, boom, there's the mic drop from Seth. And his his piece about imposter syndrome is. Well, of course you feel uncomfortable. You're innovating, you're doing new things, you're stepping into new territory, and that's always uncomfortable. And I'm paraphrasing, but that of all the reading I've done on imposter syndrome and all the battling of it I've done myself, it was so simple. I was like, well, of course yeah. it's uncomfortable. You're doing something new. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah. and every day it's new because, you know, like I said before, I haven't run a business before. And do, especially doing it all on my own. I'm a solopreneur. So there's always a lot of discomfort when you're growing and mm-hmm. that's going to apply to everything in life. No doubt. <laughs> I'm curious what you would say to other business owners, especially those in the far reaches of BC who might be experiencing imposter syndrome, who might be thinking, who am I to nominate myself or ask a friend to nominate me or participate in awards competitions, what would you tell them? What words of advice would you give them about participating in awards and promoting their business? Well, consider it like a restaurant getting the rave review. They get that five-star rating and people want to eat there, right? It's, it's the exact same thing for any business. And Add award-winning business in front of your bio, and that statement alone, it tells the consumer, client, customer that you excel in what you do and that they'll more than likely receive that premium service. I don't, I don't know who doesn't like winning awards. It's exciting. I was, was going to say, did y'all hear how excited 
Jamie got when she said, adding award-winning <laughs> entrepreneur to your website? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I have one last question for you. As creators and entrepreneurs, we have the unique opportunity to create, to imagine, and to put our vision forth into the world and to manifest amazing things. And sometimes, often, we create magic. These special moments are when we as creators can have a moment of witness when we can see what we've created and fold unfolding and delivering that magic right in front of our eyes. I would love to know about one of those moments in your business. Well, Do you remember something? <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Winning this inaugural best solopreneur award, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. But aside from that, uh, I can on honestly say I witnessed that magic every single day, every single day that mm -hmm. ever since I've graduated from the Frida Dietzi program in 2019, I just like I rolled with it and became that self-employed artist. And I witnessed that magic every time I get paid from a commissioned piece, every time I create a piece and every time I deliver that piece, that's all that's all in the magic right there and and I witness that every single day. So before we wrap up, tell us the places that we can find you and witness the creation of your magic and check out all the amazing things you're putting out into the world. Thank you. Well, you can stay tuned to my social media pages for sure at Jada Creations on Instagram and Facebook. I'm always updating on those two platforms. And for easy online shopping, you can go to www.shopjada.com. And to all the listeners out there, if you want to go and shop Jada right now, I've actually got a special gift for you. I've got a code that you can use to receive 25% off on all your purchases and for all of the month of September and be sure to use the code made possible. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you for your generosity. Not only just for that, that incredible gift of um, the promotion on your website, but being generous with your time today, your knowledge, sharing your stories and being incredibly vulnerable with us and helping us see the truths. Thank you so much for joining us, Jamie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I feel so incredibly honored to be here today. And thank you for allowing me this gift and the opportunity to share a part of my story with you all. And that in itself is part of my healing journey too. So thank you again. Wow. That was a powerful interview. I hope you took as much away from it as I did. Thanks again to Jamie at Jada Creations for her willingness to share. So we're into the top takeaway segment, as we do every week. And the purpose of this segment is to put the stories and inspiration you just heard into action by highlighting some of the brilliance that stood out and providing some actionable takeaways for you to consider putting to use in your business. As most of you know, but if you're new, Made Possible's producer Darren Dunn is my co-host for this segment, and he brings a second and very unique perspective because his role at 
small business BC is the content coordinator, and each and every day he is immersed in the stories and learnings of small businesses. Hey, Darren. Hey, Carly. Always a pleasure. I am good to go for another week of our top takeaways. Shall we just dive right in? Let's go for it. All right. The first takeaway for me this week is the magic that seemingly happens when you bravely choose to live your truth and use your gifts. This isn't the first time we've heard this come up in our interviews. Actually, it's come up quite a few times. And what I've noticed is that when our business owners have shared with us that they have harnessed their passion, they've chosen to use their gifts and live their truths, that success has been much like a snowball rolling down a hill. And today in this episode, Jamie speaks about this from her Indigenous perspective, where the Canadian government literally took away Indigenous people's right to trade in this country. And she refers to this as the things that were taken away from us. That led me to some deep thinking. And in this takeaway, how I want to translate that to our audience is that we've all been raised in this colonized society. It is what is ingrained in us. And within settler society comes the expectation to be a part of the herd and to live up to society's expectations. There is a whole generation of us, one of which I am a part of, that heard our parents say, go to school and then get a good job with a pension. And I still hear it from time to time. I don't know if that good job with a pension from end to end college graduation to retirement actually exists anymore. I think that's gone by way of the dodo. But my point here is that if we all listened to that, we wouldn't have a country whose economy is 99% based on small business. So my takeaway is this. For those of you who have been sitting on the fence about starting their own business and, dab and or dabbling with a side hustle, is it time to ask yourself, is it time to go all in? To use the gifts that you've been given and to commit to living your truth. So that's a really powerful and impactful point, and I want to expand a little on that with my takeaway. So I want to touch on something super important that Jamie talked about. She was open and she was honest about her struggles with mental health, specifically anxiety and depression. And it takes a lot of bravery to come on a podcast and talk to two strangers openly about something so deeply personal. And I hope people who are listening who might be going through some of these struggles on their own can take some inspiration from Jamie's experiences. After all, these challenges are more common than we think, especially after the 18 months of pandemic that we've all collectively experienced together. Jamie said, I still have my battles, but since stepping on this path, I found healing. And because I'm living my truth, it gives me confidence in who I am. Jamie's decision to commit to living her truth hasn't just seen her find business success. It's also helped her find the space to heal her mental health. It's given her increased confidence. And it's just such an inspiring takeaway for me. Absolutely. It's such an incredible story. And watching her live it, if any of you have an, have an opportunity to go and check out her websites and see what she's created, it is so incredibly beautiful. My second takeaway today was your network equals your net worth. Said another way, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I'm going to compound on that. The more of who you know, the more people in your network, hint, community, 
Knowing people can open doors and can connect you to people and resources when you need help to grow your small business, when you have questions unanswered that you don't know where or how to find the answer to, often all it involves in getting unstuck is reaching out to someone in your network who can answer the question or know someone who can. From my experience growing several small businesses, I can confidently say that the bigger, the broader, and the deeper your network is definitely accelerates your success as a business leader, your business's success, and the growth of your small business. So my challenge to you is take a look at your network, either now or from time to time. Make it an ongoing habit to ensure that you're nurturing the relationships that exist within it and recognize the gaps in your network that you need to fill because it's critical to any small business to continue to grow your network. So I want to use my second takeaway here to touch on the super important topic of sustainability. Jamie has an incredibly important outlook on this. She's a cedar weaver by trade, and she specifically said that she only uses what she absolutely needs each season. And sustainability has come to the fore now more so than ever before. And Jamie's approach to resource use is something I think we can all learn from. She only uses what she has to from the land to support her and her family. And I think it's up to each of us to make that small difference in our lives. And Jamie is a shining example of this. Now, linking this back to one of our earlier episodes, she shares this attitude with Lynn Marie of Sister Sage. We have these two indigenous women entrepreneurs leading the way on sustainable business practices, and they're both out there setting an example we should all be striving towards. I can't help but wonder what would we do, what, how and how much, how incredibly actually different would our world be if the limitations weren't put on the indigenous peoples and the indigenous women were now in this time strong leaders of our communities? of our Canada, um, I think it would be absolutely mind-blowing. That leads me to my last takeaway, which is elders are the knowledge keepers. I talked about this in the interview. I don't think we put enough value on the knowledge and wisdom that the generations who came before us hold, no matter what culture you're in. I've benefited in my own business time and time again by seeking out mentors and coaches who can take me to that next level, who can help me take the next step, who can guide me forward when I frankly have no clue which way to turn, go, or which path to choose. It's almost like a shortcut, but I don't think we talk about it enough, and it's not emphasized enough in our business culture, is seeking out the elders to find the knowledge. So with this takeaway, my question to our listeners is, who are the elders in your business community who you could reach out to for wisdom and mentorship? So for my final takeaway, Jamie touched on a topic that folks in Canada are increasingly asking themselves. As we face these constant horrifying discoveries around residential schools, the question of how we can become better allies for the Indigenous peoples in our lives is something that's taking on increased importance. And Jamie lays it out clearly for everybody. We need to acknowledge the truth and educate those that are still in denial. We need to amplify Indigenous voices. And we need to listen to Indigenous peoples and don't police how they're feeling. The Indigenous peoples in our country are grieving right now. And us as colonizers need to take a step back, respect that, 
and do what we can to be there for them. Thank you for pulling that one through, Darren. I think it's the perfect wrap up to this episode. And it is so incredibly important. My hope is that if you, our listeners, take anything away from today's interview, it's a deeper understanding of the truths, the reconciliation that is our, the colonizers, the non-Indigenous people's responsibility to make happen, and inspiration to be an ally. So that's it, folks. That wraps another episode of Made Possible. Thank you for being here. We want this podcast to reach as many entrepreneurs and small business owners as possible. You can help us make that possible by rating this podcast and posting a review because it helps us reach more people. Also, we'd love to hear from you and hear what you think. And so send us your feedback. Darren, what's the best way to give us feedback? We've got an email address set up specifically for this, and thank you for asking. It is madepossible at smallbusinessbc.ca, and we would love to hear your feedback. Thanks for all your support and listening in. Until next time.